What's up, my fantasy affarians? Listen up. Do you want to go to a place where the beer flows like wine? Where fantasy analysts flock like the salmon of Capistrano? I'm talking about a little place called Candy. That's right, the Fantasy Football Expo. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you got to go check it out. TheFantasyFootballExpo.com or at Expo on Twitter. It's a two-day event, really. Saturday starts with draft night out, drafts from noon to four. Then it rolls into yours truly, the Fantasy Affarian team, putting together a party at Jersey's in Canton, down by the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Do not miss it. Check out. Tickets are available on the fantasyfootballexpo.com. Get in there. You're going to get a wristband. You're going to get some swag. You might get a koozie, maybe a t-shirt. We might have some raffles. We're going to have cornhole, food, and beer. Me, your bourbon connoisseur, Sammy G, your guy on cigars. We're going to have a great time. Be there or be square. Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. All right, what's up, Fantasy Affarians? This is your man at FF Bourbon Dude, Brad. I'm leading the ship today, which is kind of weird. I feel kind of like shaky, like I might mess it up. But how do you mess up just talking football with one of your best buds, Andy? That's at McLovin, FF Affair on Twitter. Andy, it's been a long time, man. I'm excited to be back. It's almost that time, Brad. We're getting close to football season. I got to watch the uh, Hall of Fame game the other night. It was awesome. I had the blood pounding, coursing through my veins. It was freaking great. I'm getting sweaty just talking about it right now. And you know what? Oh, yeah. You know what? Coming up on Thursday night to kick off the preseason games, we got my own Washington football team playing the Patriots, and it's going yeah. to be great. Ron Rivera. Says he wants to see his starters play ball. So we get to see Fitz Magic or Fitz Tragic. I get my first taste of the uh, 2021 season. I'm super, super excited. How you doing? I like it. I like it. I'm good, dude. So so I'm going to ask you just real quick, as a a Washington fan, who's the non-starter that you're most excited to see in the preseason right now? Kind of see what they got. Or new guy. You know, I have to say uh, there's two guys that that stand out to me. Diami Brown, he is a second string wide receiver, but he is supposed to be explosive. I'm listening to every camp report, every locked on dynasty Washington football team podcast I can, every radio station I can. And uh, they are singing his praises. He apparently has looked very, very good in camp. Uh, he's a field stretcher. He's getting down the field. He had a couple bad drops, I guess, the other day. But, uh, you know, by and large, positive reports on that guy. And then the other guy I'm looking to see is our. New tackle, second-round pick, Sam Cosme. Um, <laughs> I guess early on in camp, he was getting his butt kicked pretty bad by uh, scrubs like uh, Chase Young. And yeah, I was going to say, that's Wett, a tough you know? offensive yeah. line or defensive line to learn from, right? Yeah, I know. So it's it's funny because you're going into it, and uh, uh, everybody that talks about it says, you know, iron sharpens iron, steel sharpens steel, whatever, right, whatever that saying is. and. Yep. They're I'm expect- terrible with things. Eric will let you know, so I'm not even going to try to tell you what yeah, it was. He'll, he'll yell. He'll yell at me later. But uh, it's it's. I guess he looked a lot better this past week. So they're they're getting closer. He's showing improvement, and everybody else looks like a joke compared to those two. So hopefully he can hold up for Fitz, Fitz Magic and uh, take us into the season strong. I'm excited. 
I like it. Yeah. So Deami Brown, just for those of you who uh, aren't aren't familiar with the name, it's a wide receiver out of North Carolina, rookie, six foot one, one ninety five. This guy is known for his speed. Like Andy said, he's going to be the field stretcher of that team, right? He's going to allow Curtis Samuel to work those underneath routes, Terry McLaurin to play the middle of the field a little bit, Logan Thomas working out. It's going to be a really nice offense, I feel like, especially if you trust in Ryan Fitzpatrick. But that's a whole nother pod. Andy could talk to you about the Washington football team all day, every day. Believe me, I have to deal with it. <laughs> so, so, but the one other thing I wanted to get out there, because I know you're modest and you won't say anything. Look, this man's about to have a baby, right? His wife's about to have a baby. He's going to be a new dad. So y'all get out on Twitter again, at McLovin FF Affair and congratulate this man. He's so excited. They just had some events going on this weekend. How did it go? Did you get everything that you wanted? Oh my God! Uh, I mean, our families have been just, and friends have just been so generous. It's 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 pretty it's uh it's very humbling. Um, we had up in Lake Erie. Uh, there's a nice little beach house on Avonia Beach, and uh, we rented it out for the day, and it was a pretty cool experience. Um, about fifty of her family and friends showed up. Uh, I'm from further south, so not too much of my family made the trip, but uh, it, it was just a ton of fun. If it had been just like five degrees cooler, I would have been a lot happier because by the end of it, you're just sweating. Uh, it was eight hours of baby action and me learning what things are called because uh, all of it looks pretty similar to me at this point. Um, <laughs> I, look, new dad. I have no idea. So Hey, that's all right. You'll learn. Yeah, you'll learn. That's right. That's right. A lot of time, I guess, at 2 a.m. to look stuff up. That's exactly right. While you're rocking, rocking right. him in a in a rocking chair or trying to fall asleep on your own or getting yeah. yelled at because you didn't get up this time. You know, if you guys, what, if you guys what, thought what, I was an, if you guys thought I was an active dynasty owner before, get prepared because the two AM trades are coming in, baby. <laughs> Gonna oh, I love it. Gonna I love happen. it. All right. Well, you know, I'm gonna move <laughs> us along. We're back. We're back into doing our mistress, marriage, or divorce. So what most of you are familiar with, it's just keep trade cut, right? But Andy, just kind of walk us through real quick what mistress is, what marriage is, what divorce is before we really kick into it. I like to think it's a little bit more nuanced than keep trade cut, Brad. Uh, so, so I will. Uh, but so marriage, it's pretty simple, right? That's the keep. You're keeping them. You want them for the long term. You're hanging on to them through their bumps, through their bad weeks. You're not trading them because they have elite upside and staying power, right? The mistress is where I think it gets a little more nuanced uh, than just trade, right? Because trade, to me, that means, hey, right now, this is their peak value. Let's get rid of them. Mistress, it's a little bit forward-looking, right? So these are people you want to own already or acquire and for a short term, for a short period of time, own them. And sell them when the time is right. And that's, you know, that's the nuanced piece of it. And then divorce, again, it's pretty uh, self-explanatory. You, you kind of want to get rid of these players uh, when compared to these other guys. So uh, divorce, you know, maybe things change in the future and you reacquire them. So it might be a sell high, buy low sort of opportunity. Um, but divorce is, is pretty much what you said. It's the, it's the cut portion. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to bring this to you a couple times throughout the season, right? When those times that you need to know who to buy and who to sell, 
come up, right? Right before your trade deadline, right before the season, like we're doing right now, maybe right after the season is over, when all that end of the season hype is there and people are, you're trying to move people who peaked at the, at the end of the season, that type of thing. So, so it's not going to be in every podcast segment, but it's going to be strategic and going to help you at the right times throughout the season. So we're excited to get back into the season mindset and be able to talk how these peaks and valleys and player values change over time. And it's going to be a blast. So now we're going to get into it. We're going to start with the quarterback position. And we're going to start with a pretty polarizing player right now because of some things that are going on. I'm talking about the QB5 from last year, the QB5 from two years ago, and the QB5 from three years ago, the current QB 17 coming off the board, and this is none other than Deshaun Watson. Look, we know there's a ton of stuff going on with him, which is why we wanted to talk about it, because there's some value here that we believe you might be able to get or or obtain. So, Andy, talk us through Deshaun Watson and kind of where your head's at. Yeah, so, I mean, like you talked about, his talent is undeniable. He, to me, is a top four NFL quarterback. Uh I think I'm getting close to divorce with him. Uh, Early on in the offseason, right after everything was announced, people thought, hey, now's a good time to buy. This guy's coming back during the 2021 season. He's going to settle all this stuff. We haven't had really any substantial updates in a long time. Uh, And I don't want to get into, you know, all of the legalities and stuff like that. But I'll bring up a couple uh, points that I think are important for Dynasty owners to uh, have in their bank. Number one, he says he will not settle. Number two, his deposition for these civil civil cases is scheduled for February of 2022. That's after this season. Uh, He just had fresh uh, police reports filed for criminal conduct. And again, none of this means he's guilty. Anybody who says they have insight into this is is a clown because nobody does. Uh, But what it does mean to dynasty owners and investors is that he's, in my opinion, I don't see him playing in 2021. Uh, I think he's, in terms of the NFL, they're asking for, I think, three first-rounders and two valuable players. I don't think any NFL team is willing to cough up that kind of equity in order to uh, acquire him right now. I think they're going to try to lowball offer and say, hey, you don't know if he's coming back, stuff like that. And long and skinny of that is, is, I think he's virtually untradeable. Uh, in the actual NFL. And what that means is he's probably sitting out on Houston. Uh, and if a trade did go through, I'm guessing he would end up on the commissioner's exempt list. We have some you know, history with this. We had Ezekiel Elliott a few years ago that got accused by a girl. No criminal charges were ever even filed. And he caught six games of unpaid uh, commissioner's exempt list stuff for it. So to have him on your bench, there's just a ton of value bottled up there. And for me, at this point, I think I'm looking for that rebuild team. Uh, every, every league has one. I would find them. I would talk to them about it. I would probably lie and say, you know, you're not competing this year anyway. Seriously anyway, you know. And uh, he'll definitely have this resolved by the time you need him. And I would probably try to sell him for a first and a second round pick if I could. Yeah, what I do don't you- know that you yeah, I don't know that you could get that right now. I own him in a couple spots, and and I I struggle with this because he was an off season target for me in a couple 
vacant teams that I took over. I moved the 101 for Deshaun Watson in a league <laughs> about two weeks before all these allegations came out. So the timing was just awful for me in that regards. But there are some, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, I feel like, right? PFF and CBS Sports just reported a couple of days ago that talks are starting to heat up between the Eagles and the Houston Texans around trying to acquire Deshaun Watson. I don't feel like we have all of the information that these teams do. If the Eagles are truly, if this is an accurate report from CBS Sports and PFF that the Philadelphia Eagles are trying to acquire him right now, as of three or four days ago, that to me says they have some information that he's staying off of the exempt list for this year, and they're willing to take a shot to see what happens with his deposition in February of next year, which means he may be able to play this year. The other light at the end of the tunnel is the Houston Texans have come out and said, look, we want to work this out with Deshaun Watson. He is our quarterback. He's coming to camp, whether it's reluctant and he doesn't want to pay fines, whatever the motive is. He's been seen talking to the GM as of yesterday. So I think there's some light there to where maybe they can start to build a bridge. And I think he plays this year. So for me, he's a hold candidate. He's a hard hold candidate. I'm marrying the guy if I own him. I'm not going to go move for him right now in a rebuild because there's too much volatility. But if I own him, I'm holding and I'm willing to go down with the ship right now because I don't even think you're getting a first and second round pick for him. And to me, at that point, it's not even worth it. So I'm I'm holding to Sean Watson in the few leagues that I have him in. Just real quick on that trade thing. I Googled Deshaun Watson trade and two of the headlines from Bleacher Report. Texans haven't given up on Deshaun Watson not taking low ball trade offers. And then from 247 Sports, Deshaun Watson trade rumors. Texans insider says QB will never play for Houston again. So yep. I, I think everybody's kind of speculating and guessing. and. That's exactly what it is. Everybody's I, I, got a different opinion. You just got to kind of weed through it and figure out what one you want to believe. But I remember reading right after that, that Eagles trade rumors are heating up or whatever thing. There was a report that came out from either the Texans or the Eagles. I can't remember which group. And it said that, that was not true. So, you know, it's, it's your guess as good as mine right now. I, right. Just, yeah. I can't see any team moving. The only way I can see a trade going through, especially with the Eagles, is if it was like a conditional picks trade, uh, something similar to what they did with Wentz, where they say, hey, if he makes it through 50% of the games this year or something like that, you get three first rounders, blah, 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 blah. If he doesn't, they turn into like third or fourth rounders. And I don't know if I see Houston taking that deal. So so you're moving to Sean Watson in any situation that you have him and you are not looking to obtain him. I've been sending out trade offers in the only league I own him in. And so far, <laughs> not so good. But uh, we have a couple inactive owners in that league. so uh, And generally, they're the worst team. So we'll All right. See. Cool. I love it. Okay, so we're, we're going to move on to a couple, a little bit different scenario here before we get into our next quarterback. We've got two kind of unknown situations in New Orleans and Denver. Myself, Eric Burkholder, Britt Sanders, Brian, we've talked about these situations. So people have heard kind of our opinion. We haven't heard yours on air yet. So I want to give you just a little bit of time to talk through the New Orleans Saints quarterback position and the Denver Broncos quarterback position. So specifically who you think is going to come out of camp, who are you looking to acquire, if any of them, and then corresponding with that, who's the wide receiver that you think has the most upside based on the quarterback that you think is starting? 
Yeah, so, you know, early on in the offseason, I was absolutely positive that Jameis Winston was going to win the New Orleans job. He's the better quarterback. And there's, I don't think there's any real denying that. He throws the ball better. He has better pocket presence. Uh, he has issues with, like, ball security and turnovers and stuff like that. But if he could learn from Drew Brees for a year, which, you know, ideally he did, I, I couldn't see him losing to Taysom Hill. Now, with the MT news, Michael Thomas, uh, I think New Orleans is between a rock and a pretty freaking hard place. And I can see them kind of deferring to Taysom Hill because he can create on his own. They don't have a lot of playmakers on that team right now. Uh, we're going to talk about the wide receivers here in a second, but it's not good. Uh, so as of now, I think that Taysom Hill is going to be the starter. And I think Jameis is the backup. And I think that's kind of where they're going with it. I do think Taysom Hill is going to have to restructure his contract because it's pretty fat right now. I think he has like $130 million contract, but every year after this year is voidable. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's, I just don't have a lot of optimism for Jameis passing options. So I don't know why they'd put the better passer in there. Um, in terms of wide receivers, I have been on the Traquan Smith train for a couple of years, but he hasn't worked out thus far. We haven't really seen any signs of life. Uh, right now he's out for the last few camp practices with a lower, le an apparent leg injury. Uh, he's not expected to be out for all that long, but I, I'm just saying this would be like the sneakiest breakout candidate possible where he's missing all of training camp, hasn't shown much before now, and suddenly we expect him to perform. I don't, I don't see that happening too well. But of the, you know, of all the wide receivers on that team right now, that's the guy I'd probably go after. Uh, and then, to me, the more clear answer is that we are acquiring Adam Troutman and Alvin Kamara because really they should be. They're the only, in my opinion, kind of surefire candidates uh, for that offense. So, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, I think there's definitely upside for Alvin Kamara here, right? With Michael Thomas being out, he is going to be, I think, a beneficiary of some of those. I still want to see Adam Troutman, right? I know there's a lot of talk about how they gave up all their picks to move up a little bit to get Adam Troutman. I get it. I want to see it with Jameis or Taysom before I really do a lot of investment there. At this point, I would much rather go with some of the cheaper options, whether it be oh, a Marquette Callaway, who I think has showed out quite a bit with Traquan Smith being out. And there's an undrafted free agent out of Atlanta last year that the New Orleans Saints signed in the offseason, and Jalen McCleskey, who is getting absolutely hyped in camp right now. Now, if Michael Thomas was there, I wouldn't give a crap about that. But Michael Thomas is not. And you said it yourself, Traquan Smith, He's gotten hyped for a couple years now and hasn't produced. And then you're just looking at Deontay Harris. You're just looking at Marquez Callaway. So I think there's a world where Jalen McCleskey could get some snaps. And he's, I guarantee you, he's on your waiver wires right now. Traquan Smith, not on your waiver wire. Marquez Callaway, likely not on your waiver wire. Jalen McCleskey, though, if you're not in the league with me, he's on your he's on your waiver wire. Right. Unfortunately, so I, that's like 80 percent of my leagues are with you. So. Yeah, right. So I, I think I'm looking more at that lower value play right now because 
really none of these guys are guys that you want in your starting lineup. You're looking for that player that's going to give you that boom that you can turn around and sell for a third round pick later on. Now, assuming all of our benches are kind of full, what kind of value, like, who are you dropping to pick him up? How, how confident are you in that? Well, I mean, if you're in a 16 team league, it's easy, right? So I'm in a 16 team league where, you know, you've got a multitude of players that are not making your lineup because you're, you know, you're 24 people deep in a 16 team league. That's a big deal. Even in a 12 team league, if you're looking at guys like Olamide Zacchaeus that maybe you picked up off the waiver wire for a spot start for last season, I'm going to drop him and try Jalen McCleskey just to see, right? Uh, okay. Players like that, you're, you should be constantly having this revolving door on the back end of your roster playing the waiver wire, even in dynasty leagues. Even, most dynasty leagues are not deep enough to where guys like this couldn't provide some amount of value. And when you're talking about third and fourth round rookie picks, you can easily do something with those for, for a guy like this, especially if you've got leagues where it's more than one year on your uh, your taxi squad. You pick the guy up and put him on your taxi squad, and you don't have to drop anybody at that point. Right. So I, I, if you have an opening in your taxi squad, obviously. Yeah. I mean, an example from last year where I did exactly that is I picked up Russell Gage and sold him, I think, for a second round pick like four weeks or five weeks into the season. And it was to, a, you know, a win now team. And I sold him and, you know, then they dro- he got dropped, I think, subsequently. And I picked him back up. So <laughs> I think I yeah. ended up with that. Yeah. This is that constant churn at the back end of your roster to try to find some value. And I think there's there's a way where maybe Marquez Callaway or Jalen McCleskey are able to do that. Where Traquan, he had, even though he hasn't d- done anything, I feel like he has some amount of name value, right? So people are going to be, well, he was hyped by Drew Brees for a lot of years, and now he's the, well, he's he's the one. He was the second round pick. He still hasn't done anything, right? So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. yeah so I'd, I'd look for value at the back end before then, but. Okay, so we talked New Orleans. Now let's go shift over to Denver. We talked Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. Who's the quarterback that you think is going to start? And then who's that subsequent number one target for that player? Yeah, so, you know, between Drew Locke, if if I were the GM, I would start Teddy Bridgewater all day, every day. Uh, they have a good defense. They would win more games, I think, with Teddy Bridgewater. He's much more controlled with the ball. His, you know, his ball security is great. He picks the right passes. He doesn't have the arm that Drew Locke has, though. And I can see them still trying to make something out of nothing. John Elway doesn't want to, you know, admit defeat. And he just sticks with Drew Locke as his guy. And unfortunately from for Denver, I feel, they're going to keep Drew Locke in the lineup for far longer than they should. You know, so of the two, I think Drew Locke is the starter. Teddy's the backup. And then uh, in terms of wide receivers, uh, what was the question? Who's, who's my number one out there? Yeah, who, who, who do you think is the number one based on the quarterback? Because for me, it's different depending on who the starting quarterback is. Do you have a similar or do you think it is Corton Sutland regardless or Jerry Judy regardless or Noah Fant regardless? I think it's Jerry Judy regardless. Uh, Cortland Sutton, he is an awesome player and he has the ability to make – crazy contested catches. Jerry Judy has the ability to get open at will. And that is a great skill regardless of who the quarterback is. So of the two, I think 
Cortland Sutton is more dependent on quarterback play than Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy racked up 850-something yards, catching only 52 out of 100-something passes. Uh, you know, he has the ability to get open. He ha- What did he have, the most off-target passes in the entire league last year? The guy's good. It's not a matter of his skill. So I, I, I just don't see a world where Cortland Sutton eats and Jerry Judy falls off. And so higher floor and similar ceiling is how I feel about Jerry Judy with Cortland Sutton. So. Okay. That's fair. The, the one thing I'll point out is, so I, I definitely thought it was going to be Teddy Bridgewater for a long time, but the more that I look into it, the more that I watch some of these camp highlights, I'm starting to lean towards Drew Locke. I think the upside that Drew Locke offers yeah. is significantly higher than Teddy Bridgewater. The Carolina Panthers had 29 red zone touchdowns last year. Teddy Bridgewater only accounted for 10 of those. 10. He only had 15 passing touchdowns, I believe, was what it was. Drew Locke just has an arm, and and I believe he gives them a better opportunity to score points than Teddy Bridgewater does. That is Drew Locke might be the next Teddy Bridgewater to have. Yeah, right. When Teddy Bridgewater can have 3,000 yard all, you know, all purpose when you look at Curtis Samuel, 3,000 yard receivers and still not break 4,000 yards passing and only have 15 touchdowns. That's that screams inefficiency to me. Screams yep. inefficiency to me. I agree. So I, I'm starting to lean towards Drew Locke. And in that case, I'm going Portland Sutton because Drew Locke wants to air the ball out. So those passes that Teddy Bridgewater would be throwing to Jerry Judy underneath in certain scenarios, Drew Locke's looking for the home run ball. And I think there's more of those opportunities that are going to go to Cortland Sutton. Now, I'm not saying Jerry Judy is a drop or I'm looking to trade him, but I think the wide receiver one, the guy who's going to have a better statistical outcome is going to be Cortland Sutton if the starting quarterback is Drew Locke. Yeah, I can see that. I I like both. You know, it's it's – Yep. It's tough. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So our last quarterback discussion is going to be Matt Ryan, the QB 12 uh, last year and, and currently coming off in the, the back end of the fifth round in Dynasty Superflex startup leagues, a 36-year-old quarterback who secured this year and most likely next based on his contract who's got some nice weapons and a new offensive coordinator in Arthur Smith. So Andy, talk to me about where your head's at with Matt Ryan. I like him at his ADP. Uh, he's, he's for a long time, Matt Ryan was not really able to be acquired without expending significant capital. Uh, he was like a, you know, top four round pick in super flex drafts. Uh, Matt Ryan just got a very, very good, uh, head coach that was an incredibly efficient offensive coordinator for the Titans. Uh, yes, he lost Julio, and that is rough. Uh, but they only had Julio for nine games last year. Matt Ryan still finished as the QB12. His splits are a little concerning without Julio. Uh, he had, what was it, I think seven games without Julio, nine games with. He averaged 18.7 points per game without Julio and 22.3 with him. But they also just acquired Kyle Pitts, and he is, you know, quote-unquote, the best tight end prospect of all time. Uh, he looks like a giant receiver, and I kind of think they're going to use him like one. Uh, and they all also have Calvin Ridley, who has really good upside and strong chance of finishing in the top, you know, five wide receivers. I, I have him pegged as, like, a wide receiver, you know, 
odds on favorite for me to be the wide receiver one this year. I think he's going to be awesome. Um, I think they slide Pitts into Julio's role. They keep Hurst on the field quite a bit, and Arthur Smith dials up some absolutely dynamite offensive plays for this team. And uh, something else to bring up is their running back squad is not, like, inspiring a ton of confidence. So I can see a world where they keep chucking the ball and uh, dialing it up. And, and that makes me want to buy Matt Ryan right now where he's at. Because like you said, I think his dead cap this year is like $60 million. Next year, it's $40 million. The year after that, it's $15 million. I can see him doing something similar to what Kirk Cousins does, where he keeps doing these contract extensions and restructuring and restructuring until he's ready to leave. And, and I kind of think that's where they're going to go with him. So that's my thoughts on Matt Ryan. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I love it. And specifically around the Kyle Pitts conversation, when you when you think about weapons and what Matt Ryan can do, Arthur Smith ran a lot of two tight end sets. When you look at the Tennessee Titans last year, Johnny Smith had 63 tar- or 65 targets and Anthony Ferkser had 53. So I think you're going to see a lot of motion. You're going to see a lot of play with both. Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts on the field, Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage on the field. I think that's what your four receivers look like in a lot of situations because Hayden Hurst was solid in the first half of the year. And I mean solid. So I think they're going to continue to find a way to be able to utilize him and Kyle Pitts. So to me, Ryan going off the board as the QB 23 is just outright disrespectful. This man gives you QB one seasons every single year, every year. And, and he's got that top five upside in him because Atlanta just chucks the ball. And I don't think Mike Davis is that running back that is going to really take them to a even a 60-40 split pass to run. So I think you continue to see north, well north of 600 pass attempts. And I think you continue to see Matt Ryan throw for 4,500 plus and 30 plus touchdowns. So I, I think he's a guy that you're getting at an absolute steal at QB 23. And to me, he's also a marriage candidate all day long. Like you said, his contract is going to keep him there for at least two more years, 2021 and 2022. And like you said, most likely, he seems like the kind of guy that's going to want to restructure and spend his entire career in Atlanta if they will have him, right? Yep. Arthur Smith may see what is, see Matt Ryan this year and decide that's not the future for him. Or he may say, you know what, this is the guy I want to ride out his career in Atlanta. A lot of quarterbacks are doing that. And, and I think he can. I think he has the, the skill set to be able to do that. It's yeah. It's not like they don't have enough tape on him already to know what he does. You know? <laughs> that's, right. that's exactly right. It's been a long time. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so we talked Kyle Pitts, and I want to pivot real quick before we get to the running back position. So Kyle Pitts is a polarizing topic for me. Kyle Pitts, I want to know your take on him right now. Is he a mistress or a marriage candidate for you? Obviously, he's not a divorce candidate. You're not cutting him from your team. But are you looking to hold him or are you looking to move him at his value? So I own him in a couple leagues. And I, even though his price, I could sell him for a considerable amount. I'm holding him everywhere. I think he's about to blow the freaking roof off the tight end room. And that sounds stupid. We say that about hype players all the time. But but hear me out. This guy ran a 4-4. He weighs 240-something pounds. He's six foot six. He's got 10 and a half inch hands. This guy is a monster. He is going to 
I think not act so much as a tight end, but be a wide receiver that you get to plug into your tight end spot. He is unstoppable down the field. I think he's going to have double digit touchdowns this year. I, I get sucked into these players sometimes, but in this case, I really don't think I'm wrong. They don't have a ton of other passing options on that team. They have who Calvin Ridley. Yeah, he's awesome, but you can't throw it to the same guy all year. He's not going to have 660 targets to Calvin Ridley. Right. So, you know, you have him, you have Russell Gage, you get a few to the backfield and then you got Kyle freaking Pitts. I think he's looking at triple digit targets. I think he's going to set the world on fire. I, I, I know he's at a high price point, but here's the thing. If you had Travis Kelsey when he was 22, are you selling Travis Kelsey at 22 or are you holding on to him for 10 years? Right. That guy, you don't just have to sell because he's a super high value. You get to plug him in for 10 freaking years and just dominate at the tight end spot. Yeah, I, so, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to pause you for just a second. Cause it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm going to use the term downright again. It's downright disrespectful to compare anyone to Travis Kelsey. I'm, I'm not saying that. No, no. Like, so I'm so to, I'm, to go back and say Travis Kelsey at 22, not knowing what Travis Kelsey was, I get it. That that's not fair, right? That's so we're I'm making doing. an assumption right now that Kyle Pitts is going to light the world on fire. So instead of taking two firsts in a player, you're holding a tight end. So with that being said, does it matter if it's a tight end premium or a non-tight end premium league to you? No. I think I think in tight end premium, obviously you get bonus points per reception for those that don't play it. Uh, for even even in a stand, you know, a normal PPR league or even half PPR, uh, the advantage you get at having a tight there's a reason that Travis Kelsey's being drafted in redraft leagues in the first round. All right, the positional advantage to having a tight end that scores 20 plus points per week is out freaking rages. So. Even though I don't think he necessarily gets there this year. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not calling him Travis Kelsey yet. But what I'm saying is if you have a guy with the potential to just show out, why would you sell that guy? What could, you know, if I'm not getting another first round pick for like first round startup pick for him, why am I selling him? What good does that Did do? You, would you take Kyle Pitts in the first round of a startup? No, but what I'm saying is oh, no, absolutely, okay. absolutely not. No, his, I think his ADP is in like the third or fourth round right now. I'm not above taking him like in the late second, though. I think he's going to be an outstanding. I, look, I know, I get it. it yeah, I mean, I mean, anybody who's listened to the show before knows that that yeah, is. Sound, you know, like a, I want to see it on the field, that's, and that's when great. I can see three times, when I can see a first round draft pick that I know in your particular case you got at the one ten, yep. that I can move for two first round picks and a player. It's happening all day because I haven't seen it on the football field. I don't care how much of a surefire thing these guys are. It's not there. Tight end is one of the most difficult positions to play well, for, a, for a rookie coming in, right? So when I can sit and say Trent Richardson is so great and comes in and busts, we're sitting here ready to anoint Kyle Pitts playing one of the hardest positions on offense as the next Travis Kelsey, like I, and may, I'm not saying that he's not going to be or that he can't get close to that. But when you can get that kind of value, I think you should smash it all day long. I, th I think you missed what I said, though. I don't think he's going to get played like a tight end that often. I think he is not going to be used in blocking schemes too much. That's why I think Hayden Hurst is out there in those two tight end sets. I think he's a giant wide receiver that has speed on top of it. 
and he gets to play those seam routes and catch touchdowns all day. Yeah, I, it's definitely a poss- It's definitely a possibility. And like we said, Arthur ba- or Arthur Bailey, Arthur Smith is definitely a guy who is creative enough with motions and whatnot to get him in those one-on-one situations and yeah. really create some some receptions for him. So I think the upside's there for sure. But I, I'm going to move us on. We heard you're holding. I'm selling. Uh, because the value's high. So we're going to get to the running back position, and we're going to Mr. Jake's love joy here. I'm talking about the RB13 last year and the current RB10 in ADP via, via DLF. I'm talking about Antonio Gibson running back for the Washington football team. So, Andrew, talk to me a little bit about Antonio Gibson. All right. So Antonio Gibson, like you said, finished RB 13 last year. He was actually a top 12 running back until he went out with that turf toe injury. He had 170 rushing attempts, 795 rushing yards, 11 rushing touchdowns, 44 targets, 36 catches, 250-ish passing yards, and zero passing touchdowns. Uh, And that's just a quick recap of his rookie year. He missed a few games due to a turf toe injury. And when he came back, he didn't look like he did before. Uh, health reports since then in the offseason are that he has managed it well. He's gone through the, uh, the recovery that he needed to. He feels 100%. He's cutting and running at 100%. He's not concerned with it anymore. I listened to a, uh, an interview with him from yesterday, and he said he doesn't even think about it. He's just looking at it after the game. That's, that's, that's his level of concern for it. So I'm not even remotely concerned with his toe. Uh, that was that was something that came up in my league the other day, and uh, <laughs> I just people hear what they want to hear. So, uh, and that that includes me, and that's fair. But uh, all right, going on with Antonio Gibson, he's a size speed freak. When he hits a hole, he has the ability to score a touchdown every single time. He weighs 230 pounds. Uh, he says he's slimmed down a little bit in the off season, but he's still upwards of 220 pounds. And he ran a 4.39 40-yard dash in his combine. So he has that sixth gear to really break away from defenders. Uh, People talk a lot about this upcoming year and how they expect regression in terms of his touchdown percentage per rush. And I think that's probably fair. He scored an outlandish number of touchdowns. He scored 11 rushing touchdowns on 170 rushes. But keep in mind, he scored zero touchdowns through the air. So that should also regress to the mean, which means we can expect based off last year's volume, about two rush or two uh, passing touchdowns. And then on top of that, J.D. McKissick, before last year, had never had more than 46 targets in a season. Last year, he had 110 targets. The guy is 28 years old. He's not some third-down specialist that's always been great at what he does. Alex Smith just couldn't throw the ball and got scared, and so he chucked it to his checkdown uh, running back. Uh, and Antonio Gibson last year, In college, he was a wide receiver learning the running back position coming into the NFL. So in terms of blocking from the backfield, he was not well-versed in that. That, to me, explains why J.D. McKissick was in as often as he was and what we can expect in Antonio Gibson's second year with the Washington football team. I think Washington is going to use him often. They know how powerful he is. They know what a true threat he is, uh, both in the passing and the rushing game. If you listen to interviews from Gibson, he says it's a night and day difference from this year and last year. This year he knows how to set people up, set defenders up, knows how to hit the hole, knows where the holes are. I I mean, his upside is top five. His floor to me is like top 15. I don't see him falling 
outside of those ranges too much just because there's elite talent on the front end and I think is going to get enough volume to at least be a high-end RB2. So I, I see a lot for Antonio Gibson. He's a marriage candidate for me. He's 23 years old. He's going into his second year of his contract. I think sky's the limit for this kid. What do you think, Brad? No, yeah, I think it's fair. And I'm going to give a shout out to our normal, you know, my normal host here as of late, but my cohort in crime when we talk about the, the podcast. And that's Eric at Eric Holder 6 on Twitter. His bold take right now is Antonio Gibson is in the thousand thousand club, a thousand rushing yards and a thousand <laughs> receiving yards. So I think he looks, I, I guess, willing to say, I do. <laughs> yeah, I'd be willing to say that puts him in the RB1 overall running. <laughs> For me, I think it's, it would not surprise me if he is a top five back. I think it's based on volume, but I want to put you on the spot a little bit here because I've got another rookie running back who had more rushing yards and more receiving yards in one less game. And I would argue is on a much more efficient and much better offense. And that's Kansas City Chiefs running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I'm going to put you in a keep trade cut or a mistress marriage and divorce type situation. And I'm going to throw a rookie running back in there that has a lot of hype also based on volume, which is a lot of what you talked about. Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Which of those are you keeping which of those are you trading and which of those are you cutting? Well, uh, it won't surprise you to learn that I'm keeping Gibson. Uh, something the other two don't have is efficiency. So CEH is going to get the volume. He's on a high powered offense like you talked about, but he's not fast, right? He has great contact balance and he's going to be the guy that gets you, you know, four and a half yards per carry, something like that but he doesn't have the breakaway speed to score the touchdowns that you need to finish as a top five running back. Uh, so I'm keeping Gibson. I think CEH has solid trade value. So early on in the off season, everybody's like, Oh, CEH is super undervalued, man. Like go buy him now. Everybody's down on him. Well, we've come full circle and CEH is now, uh, what's his ADP, man. I think it's like third round, something like that. So he's right around Gibson's uh, ADP. Uh, and I don't, yeah, he is, so he is RB 16 right now. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Gibson is RB 10 and Najee Harris is actually RB eight. I'm, I'm cutting Najee Harris out of those three. Okay. So you're cutting Harris, trading Clyde and keeping Antonio Gibson. Yeah. And let me, let me expound just slightly on Najee. Najee. So I went to, uh, it was actually my first ever time to a training camp. I went to a Steelers training camp the other week and Najee looked okay. He looked fine. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, Anthony McFarlane looked better. He looked quicker, more agile, faster. And he should, cause he's a lighter guy. Uh, and who's the other dude they just signed? Uh, Kalen Balazs. Yeah. Kalen Balazs looked better than both of them. And I hate saying that because I know he's not a good football player. Uh, and then I watched the hall of fame game and Najee didn't look exceptional there. He, he looked okay. He looked fine, but he didn't blow anybody's pants off. You know, he, he was, he was okay. Najee is behind a bad offensive line with an old quarterback that can't throw the ball that far. Uh, 
<laughs> and offensive lines take time to rebuild, man. So I'm I'm cutting of those of those three. We've seen solid production out of two of them. We don't know Najee has it, whether he gets the volume or not, right? So I'm cutting Najee. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a little bit the reverse. I, so I'd probably keep Antonio Gibson, but I'd be looking to trade Najee Harris because of his value right now. I mean, he's the RB8 in Dynasty Startup Superflex drafts right now. RB8, and he hasn't touched the field yet. It's again... He's going above guys like Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, C.E.H., Aaron I, Jones. Dude, I have, There's I have so many players time. that I would rather have over him right now. Yeah, I'm having a tough time like marrying what happened during rookie drafts, which is if you had taken C.E.H. and said, I'll give you that, you know, give me the 101 in a non-superflex league. Give me the 101, I'll give you C.E.H. I think that trade happens, right? Uh, so I think people were willing to trade Najee three months ago for CEH, and I guess they're not now? Question yeah, mark? no, C- I, I think early, CEH, but- yeah, to me, CEH is the cheapest out of the three by a long shot. I think mm-hmm. he is much more attainable. You're going to have to pay what RB3 Antonio Gibson is right now to get him. Nobody's right. selling him as the right. RB10 right now. All right, I'll, uh, Just I'll like my answer, then I'll, I'll uh, cut CEH and sell Najee. I agree with, it's hard to argue with ADP like that. Yeah. Yeah. If clearly yeah. the higher like value per on the market, then yeah, I'll sell the higher value. Yeah. Now the one thing I want to make sure is very clear. If you own CEH, do not go <laughs> cut him. This is not us telling you to cut Clyde Edwards, Alaire or cut Najee Harris is an exercise to see value between the three players. So don't get crazy and say, oh, the fantasy affair, fantasy football affair team told me I needed to go cut CEH. So let's not get crazy. If anybody did that, there's no in them anyway, Brad. Yeah. Well, I know. I just want to put that disclaimer out there, right? But so so we're going to move on to another pretty polarizing topic. There's a lot of, you know, beat reporters are going crazy right now. All it takes is one bad play for a player to look bad now. Right. Because those beat reporters are looking for narratives at times and at other times they're looking to just spruce up their team and make their team look like they're the next coming of the New England Patriots dynasty from the late 90s, early 2000s. And that's just not true either. So, Andy, I want you to tell us what the truth is with Miles Sanders running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's it's so in- interesting comparing last year's offseason to this year's. Last year, there were high draft or high stakes uh, draft analysts that were saying Miles Sanders could be the next CMC because he had a lot of passing work in his rookie year. Um, they were saying he should be a three down talent, et cetera, et cetera. Well, last year he proved that he might not have the passing chops that we thought he had. So. Uh, right now, what I think Miles Sanders is, is a super athletic, good runner of the football that gets injured a little too often for my comfort. Um, I think he's like a low-end RB2. Yeah, and that, that so that's, that's where he's getting drafted right now. Right now, his ADP is RB21. Like you said, 
I think the writing on the wall is from Philadelphia also, right? There's a lot of talk about Boston Scott and two RB sets getting the ball. There's a lot of talk about Boston Scott getting the receptions. They go and draft Kenny Gainwell, who's known for his pass catching, running back out of Memphis. So I think there's writing on the wall that they're not going to lean on Miles Sanders like everyone had hoped they were going to lean on him after his rookie season. So for me at RB21, though, I'm probably looking to to draft him at that point. I'm probably marrying him at that ADP around guys like Chris Carson and Miles Gaskin, Josh Jacobs, Devon, uh, David Montgomery. I'm probably okay with him around that area. I think it's fair value. I think there's still the the upside that he could get some receptions. But I like him more than I like the guys that are behind him, with the exception of some of the rookies, possibly. Now, let me temper that a little bit. He's a, he's a mistress candidate for me. And what that means, you know, right now I think he's valued at, like you said, a back-end RB2. He yeah. has an okay opening few weeks. So his uh, first five games are Atlanta. That should be a good running game. San Francisco, tougher defense. That might be tough. Uh, Dallas should be a high scoring game, but I think they match up well and I think he'll get yards. Their defense is trash. Kansas City, they're going to score a lot, so he might get game scripted out. And then Carolina. So I think kind of after, I would say after week five, I might, maybe even week four, I might look to sell Miles Sanders for if people see the rosier side of his, of his game, you know, he scores, he has a couple, you know, high end RB2 maybe low-end RB1 weeks, a couple 20-something point weeks, I think you could sell him for more than what he's selling for right now. So I might acquire him and then flip him before his next few games, which are Tampa Bay, and then he goes into, like, Las Vegas, Detroit, but then he goes to L.A. Chargers and Denver, right? So he, the back end of his season looks, uh, and it doesn't get a lot better from there, it looks a lot rougher than the front end, and you might do well to acquire now and sell four weeks into the season. Yep. I, I love that. I love that take, Andy. And I'm probably in that situation looking at the schedule. I'm probably holding until week eight. Right. I'm going to let him play Tampa Bay and have a have a rough game, most likely. But then I'm going to watch him eat against Las Vet, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Detroit Lions and then get rid of him before his rather brutal schedule. So he still has to play Washington a couple times. The back end of the season, he hasn't played them yet. And that's not a game, a team that I want the running back playing against right now. So. Yeah. I, I'm probably looking at week eight right around right before that trade deadline, right? That's where you're going to get peak value for some of these veterans trying to trade them, right? Where you're going to get better value for those guys looking for that last piece to take them to a championship. And that's yep. what you need to sell him on. You need a flex running back to shore up your lineup to cover you for injuries and look at how well Miles Sanders has been playing five out of five or six out of the eight games that he's played in the first half of the season, right? Yep. This is a player that is not going to cost you a ton, but you can get and obtain to help you get a ship. And I think that's the narrative that you push as the Miles Sanders owner right around that week eight time frame. I like it. Awesome. All right. Any other running backs uh, before we, we move on, Andy? Anything you wanted to talk about? Any guys you wanted to just give an honorable mention to or anything like that? I think Saquon's ADP is interesting right now. So there's been a bunch of reports. I know you say you didn't really want to talk about him, but I'll just briefly mention there's been a couple camp reports that they think he should be in by week three. He could be in as early as week one. 
I think there's going to be a bit of load management. And right now you see his ADP dropping from like eight and now he's down to 12.25 in a DLF ADP. So I, I'd keep my eye on that. People that own him that are competitors might be looking to sell right now. I, I don't know if that's the case, but it's worth, you know, it's never a bad time to price check, right? Just go ask a guy, Hey, what's it cost to move him? He's going to ask for the moon. You counter with something more reasonable, see what he comes back with. Yep. No, I like it. I like it. Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to the wide receiver position. We're going to do a very similar thing that we've done with uh, the Najee, Gibson, and CEH, but I'm going to start with it this time. So we're going to talk about a couple of these players, but I want to see, give the listeners kind of where your head's at, a, a little peek behind the curtain, if you will, before we start to talk about them. So I'm going to go with Chase Claypool, a guy that we just saw in the Hall of Fame game, a guy that got a lot of hype seeing some of his four touchdown performance in Pittsburgh last season. We're going to look at T Higgins, a guy that we were so excited about. And then the Cincinnati Bengals went and screwed it all up by drafting Jamar Chase and Jerry Judy, a guy who's sharing the room with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. So keep trade cut, Chase Claypool, T Higgins, and Jerry Judy. That's so hard. I like all of them. Uh, God, you know, so right now, uh, a friend of mine was telling me that Ryan McDowell has Chase Claypool as the number 20 overall pick in a super flex league. And to me, that means that a lot of people have read that. And to me, that means Chase Claypool is probably selling for a lot, like a fair amount right now. I think I would... Trade Chase Claypool because I have concerns about the future of the Steelers right now. <laughs> I live in Pittsburgh, just as uh, some background information, and a lot of people around here are really hyped around Dwayne Haskins. And as a Washington football team fan, that scares me a little bit for their future. I mean, they're really, uh, really into him, and he's he's let me down before. So I'm not ready to get hurt again. Uh, I'm selling Chase Claypool. I think I'm keeping T Higgins and I'm cutting Jerry Judy. Interesting. I, so, so you're keeping the guy who's got a little bit more of a sure thing at the quarterback position yeah. and letting the quarterback volatility make the decision for you. I think that's where my head's at. The other thing that, that uh, makes me think Higgins is going to be a good person to keep right now is Jamar Chase is not getting the separation people anticipated in camp. Joe Burrow is still playing with some trepidation because of his knee injury. And to me, that means they're going to be looking for. Bust. Bust. I don't know oh, about excuse me. I know you hate him, but, uh, <laughs> but uh. I'm not ready to call Jamar Chase a bust. He is, you know, a top five wide receiver. But I think T. Higgins is going to get more activity. Him and Boyd are going to both be undervalued this year. And I think I'm going to keep Higgins for now and maybe trade him after the season. Yeah, and, and I think that's fair, right? Volatility is that thing that you, you always take a look at when you're looking at building a dynasty team. And T. Higgins has the most safety right now. He's got a for sure quarterback in Joe Burrow pending health. 
that's going to be there with him for the the length of his rookie deal. He's got another wide receiver in Jamar Chase there with him. He's got a good running back who's under a second deal in Joe Mixon. He's got a you know offensive quote unquote mind in Zach Taylor's the as the the head coach. So you think he is the safest out of the three. Now, maybe that doesn't mean upside necessarily, right? Because I would argue that Chase Claypool could potentially have the most upside out of the three. But again, when you don't know the situation, that's something that Eric and I talked about. And Eric particularly talked about in our dynasty series here, the last few episodes, that is something that you have to pay attention to contract, volatility of the coaching, how the coaching staff has changed, volatility of the situation just in general. So I don't think you can go wrong here. I like how you went based off of the quarterback situation. That's what kind of led you. But I do want to, so I'll start us out with Chase Claypool. So yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say your turn. You get to tell me who you keep trade cut. Yeah. So I'm going to start with Chase Claypool and he, he's my keep candidate right now. Um, I, I'm starting to turn a lot for Chase Claypool right now. I'm a big proponent of Matt Harmon's reception perception and not no pun intended, but my initial perception of Chase Claypool was this dude just runs straight down the field like that. That's all. That's his only skill set. Now, there's a portion of that that's true because 28 percent or I'm sorry, 27 percent of his routes were nine routes. But he was successful above the league average of those. If you look at all of his other routes, all but three, he were was also above the league average in. Yeah, not just, to yeah. mention, not to mention that this guy wins regardless of what the coverage is. He's 74th percentile against man coverage. He's 64th percentile against zone coverage. And he's the 80th percentile against press. So this guy can play regardless of what coverage you have in regardless of what route you're asking him to run, even though you may not want him to run a bunch of bubble screens or curl routes or whatever, right? You want to use him as the field stretcher. I get it. And I'm not buying into the the narrative that Ben Roethlisberger can't throw the ball downfield anymore. So I, I think you still see a year, maybe two, depending on how this season goes. I really think this season is what's going to determine whether or not Big Ben plays another season in Pittsburgh. But I think there's a world where you see Chase Claypool as the de facto number one in that system. And I think you've seen some of the upside that he can give you. So I'm going to hold him because I think I do believe his value can rise over time. T. Higgins, I'm looking to, oh, this pains me, to trade. Uh, But he's wide receiver 24 right now. I in my heart, believe he is the alpha of that offense. But I understand that the team may not think that, that the team spent the number four pick on, or I'm sorry, the number five pick on Jamar Chase, and they're going to make sure that that offense runs through him. So I, I do think that that is what's ultimately going to happen. So Uh, T Higgins is my trade candidate because I still think you could get very solid value. And just to kind of prove that I moved T Higgins for Tyler Boyd, a mid first and a second. So you can definitely still get some value out of T Higgins right now. 
to be able to get more of a return on him than what you drafted him, which was the back end of the first beginning of the second in the 2020 NFL draft. And I'm looking to cut Jerry D. I do not trust the Denver Broncos coaching staff or front office to make the right decision at the quarterback position. We've seen regardless of how good Jerry Judy can be and how open he can get, the quarterback, if the quarterback cannot hit him at the right time when he expects the ball to be there and they are inaccurate, he is not going to be successful or any more than what his current ADP is around the, or, or I'm sorry, wide receiver 30 range. So I am looking to cut Jerry Judy. That also hurts me because I think out of the three, he's quite possibly the most talented out of the three. But the situation is such a big deal for me in Denver right now. And they've proven over the few, the last few years that they just can't make the right decision when it comes to the quarterback role. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. Do you see a world where Chase Claypool just totally flops this year? Absolutely. Okay. Do you Absolutely. see a world where T. Higgins totally flops this year? No. Okay. Do you see a world where Jerry Judy flops more than he did his, his rookie year? Do you see him yeah, losing? Because I don't think his rookie year was as bad as what people make it out to be. A guy that has the yardage that he has, now he had some drops, but drops are not consistent from one year to the other. When you look at the year that he had with the inconsistent quarterback play, with the fact that they didn't even have Drew Locke all year long, I think it's fair to say he had a really good season from a rookie perspective. I like, what do you expect a rookie to have? So I, I do think that the possibility is there for him to stagnate and have a very similar season to what he had last year. Now, so this is my hangup with this. So, I, and, and I've argued the opposite also, right? Like, in certain situations, you want really high upside players because they're the ones that are going to win you a championship, right? It doesn't do you any good to make the playoffs if you're going to lose because your team is all floor plays. But when you have a Jerry Judy, I can see him really excelling also. If you watch some of his route running, I mean, he was doing stuff that Jerry Rice used to do. He, he was throwing his hands up in the air like he was about to make a catch. The DB lunges up, he cuts back and makes a you know 40-yard catch. He, he looked really polished uh and i think that's almost bulletproof i think we've seen bad quarterback play with him and what it looks like and he had 850 yards so i i really think that's kind of his floor i don't i don't know that he gets a lot worse especially with Cortland sutton back now you don't have just him to focus on i i don't know man i i uh it's it's your it's your call right that's your choice but and i know i just said i'd cut him too but <laughs> well, I mean, you can make a very similar argument, right? Something yeah. that I, I, when you look at the stats, it's very interesting to me. So people say, people are wondering how Najee Harris is going to affect the Pittsburgh Steelers and the touchdowns that the wide receivers got. Mm -hmm. When you look at the touchdown receptions in the red zone last year, yeah. 11 of the 13 red zone touchdown passes that Ben Roethlisberger threw last year went to either Chase Claypool or Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Deontay Johnson only got two of those. So if you're looking just from that perspective, you might see a regression in touchdowns from Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster because now you have Najee Harris in the red zone. And before, yeah. they didn't really have a red zone. You know, Benny Snell, even though he had like 
five one-yard rushing touchdowns, he was not the threat in the red zone that Najee Harris could potentially be, even though I do think that he is also just slightly uh, overrated at the running back position. But so there's a world where you could argue that Deontay Johnson is the upside play in Pittsburgh. But I think Chase Claypool profiles as a wide receiver one. I think he can win at all levels. He can beat all coverage. And I think that's why, to me, that outweighs some of those other metrics because he was also a rookie last year playing with an injured quarterback. Whether Ben wants to, and he's talked about it, but whether people want to realize it or not, he played all season hurt, Ben Roethlisberger did. He hurt his elbow. His elbow was still not fully healed. He came out and even said it. He said it feels a thousand times better than it did last year. So I think that's going to help Chase Claypool in the second year of a system, not a rookie anymore. And knowing that Ben Roethlisberger has a better, a healthier elbow and is a little more willing to chuck that rock deep for him and has a little bit more trust in him. And you even saw some of the throws in the Hall of Fame game that they went to him. He was the leading receiver. Chase Claypool was the leading receiver in the Hall of Fame game. That doesn't what the hell was he? No, but why was he even out there? Why I was he even I out think, there? I think to get people excited. That's I think that's what it is. I think well, it worked. I, well, because he had think, an excellent well, catch. Like I said, I went to this uh, VIP Steelers camp the other week, and one of the uh, – it was so cool. <laughs> uh, but we got to talk to Charlie Batch. And Charlie Batch is, if people don't know, he was a prior Pittsburgh quarterback or uh, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, grown and raised. He he does media stuff now and a ton of uh, uh, local, you know, uh, whatever local stuff. And he's he's just a really personable guy. And I was one of the only people that got to ask or that asked questions when he did a Q and A. And I asked who's the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh, and he said, you know, they don't even know that right now. So the job truly is up for grabs. And that's, that's to me, another reason why I think – so I traded Jerry Judy for – or sorry, I traded uh, Chase Claypool straight up for Jerry Judy earlier today. And I did that because I think Chase Claypool right now is a little overhyped. And I think now is a good time to trade him because I think he's the most volatile that he will be. And next year we're looking at a – Steelers probably without Juju, right, where it's just Deontay Chase. But something you didn't bring up or maybe you haven't factored in yet is they're really, really excited about their rookie tight end, Pat Firemouth, Firemouth, whatever. Uh, And he looks really good in camp, and he looked really, really smooth in the Hall of Fame game as well. He got out there, and he he did everything they asked him to do. So I think there's a world where Jerry Judy continues to ascend and – Ben Roethlisberger, he might not be hurt this year, but he doesn't have the zip in his arm. He can't move the pocket anymore. He's getting rid of the ball quickly, and that was his issue last year. So, yeah. yeah. So, so I love it. I love it. The last thing that I'll, my last rebuttal, I guess, or the last statistic that I want to talk about is we talked a little bit about situation, right? And another big key factor for me in Chase Claypool being my marriage candidate and holding him is the fact that there is about a 100% chance that Juju Smith-Schuster is not with the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. That in itself, if Chase Claypool continues to show any type of progression at the wide receiver position, is going to give him an instantaneous rise in value when Juju does not re-sign with the Steelers. 
And yeah. so right now, right now, Chase Claypool's at wide receiver 20. And if you think about in a year, you're going to have guys like Keenan Allen at 30, Michael Thomas at 30, DeAndre Hopkins at 30. Three guys who are being taken ahead of him in dynasty startup drafts that are likely not going to be ahead of him anymore. So there's that coupled with Juju. There's a chance that this guy's coming off as a top 12 wide receiver next year. And that's a big reason that I'm looking to hold this guy because I think there is a world where he is getting instantaneous. Even if this guy gets hurt, I'm willing to say that even if he gets hurt this year, knock on wood, because I don't, I don't wish that upon anybody. If he ends up getting hurt this year and Juju moves, there's still a value bump in Chase Claypool. Still, people are still mm -hmm. going to look at what he did last year and they're going to extrapolate what he could do without Juju Smith-Schuster there. So I, I think he's the one that sees a value jump. Jerry Judy, are they going to see a value jump? Are they going to, how are they going to address the quarterback position? Well, Denver, Maybe. if you remember, they were in the hunt for Aaron Rodgers during the draft and Aaron Rodgers got this concession from Green Bay that says if he wants to, they will trade him next year. I think Denver is going to make a strong push for a veteran elite quarterback next offseason. And so that's how I see him getting a big boost. And also, this is year four of Cortland Sutton's contract. He doesn't have a contract extension right now, as of today, right? So it could happen where Jerry Judy's the guy. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Right. So you got to extrapolate those situations, figure out what you think is going to happen and make your moves based on that. I don't think Denver is going to be able to attract a high profile quarterback personally. That's why I'm not willing to make that call. Andy, you're willing to make that call. So you got to be willing to, to stick to your guns and say, here's what I believe is going to happen and then make the moves appropriate for that. So I love that we've got a different opinion to give to people. It just works out awesome. Now, I want to quick fire these next three guys so that we can get into our high hopes segment and get guys out of here because we're already running over time a little bit. So three names, Jalen Rager, different situations, okay. young Jalen Rager, old Robert Woods and Adam Thielen. What are you looking to do with these three guys and why? So Adam Thielen has a very juicy early season. And uh, Justin Jefferson just sprained or something, his AC joint. It's not catastrophic. They still expect him to move back. I think Adam Thielen is going to see a regression from last year, but prove his value. And I would trade him before the trade deadline to teams. So he's a mistress candidate for me. Robert Woods just got Matthew Stafford, who is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I know he's not like the top of, you know, cream of the crop and all that, but I think he's a, a obvious upgrade for the LA Rams. They think so as well. Uh, so I think Robert Woods is going to be somebody that I want to hang on to uh, for this season. And he has a guaranteed, you know, he's, he's going to be on LA this year and next year. Uh, Jalen Rager is in his second year of hopefully a five-year rookie contract. He had a really, really disappointing uh, rookie year. Right now he's wide receiver 52, I think, off the board for DLF. Uh, let me just double check that and make sure I'm right. That is, that is yeah, Rodgers, you have 52. And they said they're going to run him in the slot more now that they have Devonta Smith as hopefully their wide, you know, their number one wide receiver. I think there's a good chance that he's a better complementary wide receiver than he is an alpha. And I think those short passes where they get him in space and he gets to match up against linebackers, 
are going to treat him a lot better than his rookie season did because he wasn't particularly good at getting open against coverage. Uh, so if they use him the right way, I, <laughs> I just love Jalen Rager's skill set. So it's hard for me to break ties with him. I'm still marrying him. Uh, I think he's a good buy right now because he won't cost you that much. And people are probably willing to move on from him. Your turn. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm out on Jalen Rager unless the price is right. And when I say right, I mean dirt cheap. I'm not willing in a rebuild or a contending team to take that chance. And and guys are going to be looking to try to get that draft capital that they put into him last year. They're going to use the narrative of Jalen Hurts and this and that. And there's no chance in hell that I'm paying it right now. So unless I could get him for a late second or a third round pick, I'm not even willing to take a shot on him. For me, Robert Woods and Adam Thielen, I absolutely love these guys for contending teams. Adam Thielen, the narrative is he's a cut candidate for the Minnesota Vikings next year because he's got $5 million in cap savings for the team. I think he's the kind of guy that's going to restructure his contract. They gave him his chance. He's been good to them. They've been good to him. I think he's going to restructure and stay there to continue out his career. So I think you're going to see a couple years of Adam Thielen in Minnesota, even with Justin Jefferson. I don't know that you see – you may see regression in touchdowns because he did have 14 touchdowns. I get that. But he was abnormally low in yardage. Uh, and I think that regresses back to the mean for him. He, again, if you go back and look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, this guy had his best charted year by Matt Harmon to date his age 29, 30 season. He had the best season against man zone and success at every route in the route tree green everywhere that he, since Matt Harmon's been doing reception perception. So I absolutely love Adam Thielen at his value right now. He's coming off the board as the wide receiver 29 in Dynasty. And when I'm looking at making moves and making sure that I'm contending this season, he's a guy I'm going for. Robert Woods, very similar type situation. you got a guy who's going off wide receiver 26. He's 28 years old. He's for sure going to be in L.A. for a couple years. The question is, who's the guy between him and Cup for Matthew Stafford? I would argue they're both 1,000-yard receivers, and they're both going to be very productive for your fantasy team. Any time that Matthew Stafford has had two solid receivers, he has produced greater than 1,000 yards. You've looked at Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson. You look at Matthew, how Matthew Stafford performed with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. When You, you can go all the way back to Calvin Johnson and Nate Burleson he he has the ability to produce two solid wide receiver twos. And I do think that's the ceiling. I don't know that you see either of these guys break into the top 12. If you do, I think it's Cooper Cup because of the touchdown upside. And we've seen him do it in the past. He's been QB or wide receiver five before. And I think that's the potential that you could have. But realistically speaking, I think they're both solid, startable every week wide receiver twos with some wide receiver one weeks mixed into there you got any hopes Anything for else? Jefferson I, I don't right now I just I, I don't know that the the looks are gonna be there for him they did yeah. bring in Tutu Atwell they I, and I, I do like Van Jefferson he was a he was a good late round late second round pick for me in rookie drafts last year because I did see an opportunity for him to slide into that wide receiver role because Everybody kind of read the writing on the wall that Josh Reynolds was not going to be there. 
I just don't know that he's going to get enough volume to be productive. And with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods being there for the next two years, that puts him out of his rookie deal because he'll only have four years on it. I just don't know that he's going to get a chance there. It may be his second contract at another location before he really gets a shot to show what he what he can do on the NFL field. So yeah. as yeah. of right now, no, I'm, I'm holding off on Van Jefferson. Okay. All right. So now we're, if you've listened to Mistress or Marriage before, you'll know that we always end the show with the high hopes segment. So these are two players that, you know, Andy's super high on and sees big things from and two players that I'm super high on that I think are going to do good things. So real quick, give me a synopsis on your two players, your high hopes players for this year. All right. Yeah. So this is, like you said, going to be short and sweet. Uh, Brian Edwards is my first player. He's got an alpha profile. He had the, was it the youngest breakout age, I think, of any uh college wide receiver. I think it was 17.8 years old or something like that. So he, he established himself super early. He could easily be the number two target for Derek Carr behind Darren Waller. Uh, and I see a world where he's a 900 plus yards, 60 reception and double digit touchdown receiver for uh, the Las Vegas Raiders this year. Uh, and just a quick side note, Darren Waller right now has not been to camp for five days. He's been gone. It's an unexplained absence. I looked quickly at his uh, contract, and he has very little guaranteed money after this year. So it could be some contract issues where he's holding out, hoping for the, the contract extension with the Raiders. And then the second guy that I'm going to bring up is Justin Fields. Justin Fields was the QB4, I think, uh, this year in the 2021 draft. And he is a dual threat quarterback. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. And right now he has uh, accepted the fact that he is the QB two for the bears. Uh, but I don't know that the bears have accepted that fact yet. Uh, all camp reports say good things about him. He's winning the locker room over with his work ethic and execution. He's showing what he has. He's made a couple of rookie mistakes, but that's to be expected from a rookie. Uh, I can see a world where, uh, they move him into the starting QB role right after week one when Andy Dalton gets absolutely smashed by the LA Rams. Uh, and I think Andy Dalton's going to be sadly a sacrificial lamb for the Chicago Bears this year. I love it. I love both those picks. I'm a huge Brian Edwards guy. Britt Sanders, the FF Sandman, and Eric. We talk about Brian Edwards all the time the guy's an absolute stud if you have not seen and, and this is the this is the kind of crap that you get from beat reporters if you have not seen the picture of him flexing in the end zone during uh mini camp you're missing out because this dude came ready to play he is jacked people are hyped about it I love Brian Edwards, the skill set. As long as he can stay healthy, I think he can prove a lot, and I'm very excited for him. Yeah. My guys, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very short with the first one. My the player X marked by Joe Lombardi and the Los Angeles Chargers. That is Mike Williams. I've been on the Mike Williams train for a while. I loved him coming out of college. His sophomore season was excellent. He went over a thousand yards, had low touchdowns, and everybody thought that third year breakout was coming and it just really didn't come to fruition. He had a good touchdown number, but his yardage fell off. Well, now he comes in to year five with a second 
year quarterback in Justin Herbert, an offensive coordinator in Joe Lombardi. And I'm going to stop there. If you want to see the stats of Joe Lombardi, if you want to see the metrics that help prove my point that Mike Williams could be in for a huge year, go to the website, fffair.com. Take a look at our Dynasty Articles section and look for Mike Williams, Player X, written by yours truly, FF Bourbon Dude, myself, Brad Stickler. My second player outside of Mike Williams, I'm, I'm a Cleveland boy. I love the Cleveland Browns. That I, I am a homer, and I'm going to go with Austin Hooper, a guy who's been a top six tight end before with Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. He comes in. New team, new offensive scheme, new head coach, new quarterback, two stud wide receivers in Jarvis Landry and Odell, and Nick Chubb running the ball. He's learning his role. You saw him be good in situations, and I think he is going to elevate his game this year. And maybe there's an article coming out about Austin Hooper to tell you why you should go get him now before the season starts because he has that upside to get you at tight end six or tight end seven season. Not saying he's going to be up there with Darren Waller and those guys, but he could be in the mix with like a Mark Andrews or a TJ Hawkinson or something like that, which is a startable every week tight end for you in a even a tight end premium or non-tight end premium league. So Austin Hooper, tight end for the Cleveland Browns, I think has a very good opportunity this season, and I'm very excited for him. <clears throat> Andy, last-minute thoughts, man, on my my uh, high-hope candidates. You think, you think uh, no, I don't have anything on that. You think Baker's going to get paid? I do think Baker is going to get paid. Okay. I think they're going to try to do it before the season starts. Uh, because that's going to be best thing for the team, right? They don't have this year's resume or those couple games that he may come out on fire in. But he's come out and said, look, I don't give a, a, sh- a crap about my contract right now. All I care about is winning, which is the that's the answer I want to see. I want That's the answer you got from Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb got paid. And people, depending on who you look at, people are whining because they think he got robbed. And there are people who are saying it's a good deal, right? So I think there is a a team aspect to the Cleveland Browns right now that I haven't seen in a lot of organizations outside of like the Tom Brady's of the world in New England. Players willing to take less than market value to make sure they don't cripple their team. So I think when you see that with Nick Chubb, I think you could see that with Baker Mayfield. You might see some contract changes with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry especially Jarvis Langer. I think they'd be silly to let him walk. But yes, I do think that Baker gets a contract. I think it's less than what people think he deserves because he's willing to do that. Uh, and I'm super excited for the Cleveland Browns this year. Dude, I'm, I'm excited for both of our franchises right now. It, yep. the, the arrow's finally looking up. And it feels... For both of them. Dude, it feels so good. It has been a long road. It's been since RG3, the Washington football team's had... Some pretty rough, uh, rough years. So, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to talk about the last time for me. I mean, it was like 1995. So RG3 was what, like 10 years old at that point. So um, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a good place right now. I, I'm excited, but uh, we are also both in relatively tough divisions. Uh, so that's yeah. going to be interesting 
I feel yeah. like you've got a little bit of an easier path to so I think you'd be surprised I think Dallas is going to be offensively as a monster um, they've got three offensive linemen we're, we're we're getting off track, but yes, we are yeah. both pointing up and we're both very excited for Dude, super sure. Yeah. So, all right. So I, I do want to give some shout outs before we go. So we're looking at guys like Brian GM FF affair, Brian Manganero, the guy, the man, the myth, the legend that nobody hears about. If you end up at the party in Canton, the fantasy football expo party that we talked about earlier, it's all because of Brian Manganero and the work that he put in prepping, planning, and getting the jerseys in Canton, right by the Pro Football Hall of Fame, getting them on board and working with Bob Lung. So, Brian, thank you for all of that work. We're looking forward to this weekend. My man at Eric Burkholder 6, obviously, Eric Burkholder, real gen uh, generic. Hmm. I miss you, man. He's got some, he's got a tooth pulled. So he's all jacked up. His back's met, like he's, he's in a bad spot, right? So, so prayers out to him. I hope he gets to feeling better, but I appreciated the opportunity to get the to host tonight too. It was kind of nice. A little bit yeah, of a change. Up. I probably sucked at it, but I'm okay with that. No, so, no. you know, Andy, thank you for coming on, dude. I missed this. I'm excited for us to get back in season so we can do more of it and give the listeners a little more of what they should be looking to do with the trade deadlines and those peaks and valleys in the season. So thank you for coming as well. Absolutely. Maddie, Maddie Daddy FF. I can't say enough about this guy. I put a tweet out the other day saying if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be on the radio right now because he just randomly asked me. He's like, hey, man, we talk fantasy all the time. You seem to kind of know something like would you want to be on a podcast I'm like hell yeah why not i'd love to talk my opinion about something people tell me it's dumb people tell me it's good i'm okay with it either way so maddie daddy thank you for all you do we're doing this expo for you bud and we appreciate it let's see vandy grad at vandy grad brian craighead our dfs guy this guy is going to be putting out that fire and helping you make some money in the season with DFS plays. It's called DFS Cash Crusade. And if you don't know Brian's story, please reach out and find out because he's got an absolutely phenomenal story, and you're going to hear all about it during that DFS pod because it's called Cash Crusade for a reason, and you need to know why. So thank you, Brian. Next up. Quinn and Sammy. I'm putting these two guys together because their Twitter handles are real original also. It's at Quinn underscore Cusky and at Samuel underscore Gordon are guys that are doing hot by happy hour. They just talk whatever the hell they want. Football, fights, wrestling, UFC, soccer, basketball, whatever the top video games, whatever the topic that they want to talk about. It's an excellent, refreshing podcast. If you haven't checked it out, check it out again. It's called Hot Buy Happy Hour. Both of them will be at the expo as well. So check them out. Again, Quinn underscore Cusky and Samuel underscore Gordon. Who am I missing, Andy? Who am I missing? Maddie, Eric, Brian. Oh my God, Britt. He's going to kill me. All right, <laughs> Britt Sanders at VFF Sandman. Dude, Rotorball is going to be a hit. If you don't know what it is, you will. We're going to, we've got some koozies to hand out with the logo. It is the coolest thing. 
check out Rookie on the Rise, his podcast. Eric and I get to jump on there. Not often enough with him, but he is absolutely crushing it with guests just like Matty Daddy is on his Wednesday live streams. So again, check out Rookie on the Rise. That's at VFF Sandman, Britt Sanders. He does some work in Debbie as well. And then I'm going to end with the man, the myth, the legend, the youngster out in California. That is at FF Goldmine, Garrett Vienna. Look, this guy is writing fire every day. If you haven't read his articles, you need to go to fffair.com. You need to click. You need to read. You need to shout them out on Twitter. You need to share them with people because it's a wealth of knowledge, a breadth of knowledge, and it's he looks at things differently. So it's awesome. We're excited to have him as part of the team, and we wish he could make the trip out, but sometimes law school gets in the way, right? So I think that's everybody. Love to have you guys at the expo. Look forward to it. Andy, thank you again. And we look forward to it next time. Beautiful. Beautiful.